the most important thing. The most important thing is actually to know the love of God. Anytime we look at God's revelation to us and throughout the scriptures, we must allow our vision to pass through the lens of God's ultimate desire. He wants to express to us his undying love to all of his creation generally and to his children specifically. There is no more compelling doctrine in the whole of the Bible than the truth that God is love. And from his first works of creation to his selfless act of sending his only son Jesus to die on our behalf, God has shown that he has only one all-consuming intention, and that is to have a loving, intimate relationship with us. This truth is found over and over again within the pages of the Bible. Throughout the Old Testament, God's overtures toward the nation of Israel as a whole, toward individual Jews, and even toward many Gentiles, have shown that his agenda is to reach out and initiate caring relationships with people. Our personal prejudices and cultural biases, however, have often kept us from seeing this. So in the New Testament, God took on human flesh in Jesus, in Jesus Christ our Lord, and he exploded onto the scene with the explicit act of love and compassion toward many kinds of people. With a backdrop of such amazing acts of rescue, Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus blasted those ideas about working for God, and he made everything a matter of the heart. So everything was about relationship to him. He rebuked the religious leaders while spending most of his time loving on street people, loving on hookers and social outcasts. He loved everyone who came to him, and they were changed dramatically if they came with a heart that was open to be loved and to love. So Jesus was stern with the proud, hoping to guide them out of their self-deception, but he was gentle with the humble, knowing that they were ready to be loved. They needed to be loved. They wanted to be loved. When Jesus was asked point blank, what was the most important thing in the law of God? He actually summed it all up like this in Matthew chapter 22. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, and it is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So remember, he said that if we have seen him, then we have seen the Father in heaven. So if Jesus emphasized love that flows from God to us and back to God again, and consequently from us to others, then we can safely say that this is the most important thing to God the Father as well. So even the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus in 
Ephesians chapter 3 was this. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So to experience the love of the Father as revealed in Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit is our destiny. It is our treasure in this life. It is our inheritance in the life to come. It has been God's heart since the beginning of time. Let's see. Um, The foundational... just want to see where I wanted to pick up at because some of this I'm going to actually skip but the foundational importance of being a recipient of God's love there's no way that can be overstressed it is the great rabbi's good news the love of Christ it is what gives life meaning and it, it is what brings wisdom and understanding to the world around us it brings us profound peace and it brings us purpose It is the pearl of great price for which once we have found it, the Bible says we will buy, sell, invest, risk everything to have it always with us. So from the beginning, our need for love has been programmed into us to find its fulfillment in the love that God has for us. Everyone needs love. You can't live without love. It's the most basic of human needs. We eat, we drink, we work in order to chase after that sense of of belonging somewhere, but that longing was put there to find its ultimate rest in the love of the Father. God is the only destination that brings peace to our longing hearts. And the depth of his love relationship that this relationship that God intends to share with us is found in in the names he has given by which we are to view him. He's our father. He's the perfect father who is always there for us, nurturing and caring for our deepest needs. He picks us up when we fall down. He carries us when our legs just get too tired and give out. He lovingly disciplines and corrects us when we are making mistakes that are not good for us. He is all of these things that our earthly father could not be for us. He has adopted us into his family to be fellow heirs of his inheritance in Jesus Christ. We can go so far as to call him our daddy. The word Abba is an endearing term for a father. We're not servants in the house, but we are sons and daughters with equal access to our father's riches. 
In Song of Solomon, he is our lover. He is the bridegroom. And we are the bride. He is pursuing us. He is coming after us and trying to woo us into a romantic courtship that will culminate in our are becoming one at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will not be satisfied until he presents us to his Father as his pure and his spotless bride. He is our friend, it says in John 15. He is our best friend. He shares everything with us. Remember, we're not servants in the house. We are his friends. We are his confidants. He trusts us with the very mysteries of heaven and love sharing the work that he is doing with us and among us. He is happy to encourage our participation. Do you get the idea? We have a very special place in God's heart. He wants to be intimate with us. He wants to meet our every need. And it is crucial for every Christian to understand the true heart of God. He is not a rigid dictator who requires our exact obedience or else he will cast us out of his presence. He is not a pragmatic schoolmaster who is going to teach us all we need to know to survive on our way, on our own one day, actually. He's not a detached, absent provider who takes care of us from a long ways away or a distance away, but doesn't want to know us. No, he wants to know us. He wants to have fellowship with us. He is a gracious, loving Father who wants so much to just spend time with us. He wants us to spend time with him. He's actively wanting to walk through our lives with us, bringing comfort and peace as we intimately share with him. And then as he spoke about loving our neighbor, What about loving our neighbors? How do human relationships connect with this vital purpose of God loving us? The Bible describes the Christian in a way that will help us to understand this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7, it says we are called vessels or containers or we're called jars of clay as well. And the picture is that of us being able to hold things and be able to carry them around. This is very true of God's love. So as we receive the love that God has for us, we become vessels of his love. And we carry it with us everywhere and wherever we go. It affects every part of our lives and we are able to love others so much more easily. As vessels, we are able to become so full of God's love that it can splash over the top and onto those around us. This is an amusing picture, but it really comes short of God's complete plan for us. As vessels, however, we are not to just hold God's love, but we're to be channels of it, directed to others, And the emphasis is in being channels is that the love we receive from God is not for us ever to keep solely to ourselves or to be selfish with. So as we receive it, we must allow God 
to use us to give it away to others. Amen. We must allow ourselves to be poured out, not just let the excess slosh over the top. When the love of the Father has filled us, giving it away is not hard to do. It's a natural thing to want to share it. Have you ever been in love? Could you hide it from those you knew? Did you find that you wanted to tell them? It's just as easy to give God's love away. We're in love. Since being a vessel involves giving God's love away, there is a need to be constantly receiving from God a fresh supply. We must never forget that who our source is and where we get that love. Sometimes we can get so caught up in just giving away that we forget that we are getting empty. And this leads us to trying to love people in our own strength. And after a while, you know what, we wonder why it has become so hard to do. God's purpose is, is that we be a vessel or a channel of his love to the world, not our own. We'll run out is the best thing for us and for those that we love. To fulfill God's purpose, then we must receive from the source, and he is the source of all pure love, and give it away to others. In Ezekiel 47, there is a vision that is recorded that reveals some principles about this. And in the vision, Ezekiel is shown the river of God. And that river flows out from the throne out of the temple of God. And everywhere the water runs, it brings life. The Dead Sea is revived. The banks are lined with fishermen and trees grow strong with an abundance of fruit. But then verse 11 catches the eye and it says, but the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Uh-oh. Never forget that the river of God only brings life wherever it flows. It has to be flowing. It has to be moving. Swamps and marshes are stagnant wetlands. They'd be stinking, stagnant wetlands. And if we do not allow the love of God to flow from us, that's what we will be too. We will become stinking, we will become stagnant in his purpose. Salt preserves, but we must stay active. We must stay alive, taking risks while giving God's love away sometimes. As I heard one person rightly say, the new wine of God's love is not a private supply. Amen. Is it surprising that if this is God's ultimate purpose for us, then Satan's agenda is to hinder and destroy that flow? I want you to keep that in mind. When trials and troubles come your way, that's the purpose of it, to hinder you and to, to, to destroy that precious, clean, living flow of the river of God. Our enemies hate they hate loving, healthy relationships. So from the beginning, 
When he first approached Adam and Eve, he purposed to put doubt and unbelief into the relationship between them and God. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Satan. We're talking about our enemy. We're talking about that one that goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he purposed to put doubt and unbelief into the relationship between them and God. The effects of sin, the flesh, and Satan have been at work ever since that time. So consider the scene again. In that beautiful garden God had made for them, the relationship that God had with them was pure, it was open, it was intimate. They were innocent in their understanding of things and nothing hindered them from believing that God loved them. After all, he had provided all that they could possibly need. They only had one limitation and to avoid uh, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So if you eat of it, God said, you shall surely die. One tree. See Genesis chapter 2. Everything else was theirs for the taking, but that one tree. God knew what was best for them. He knew that they could He knew that they could live in innocence and they could live in intimacy if they left the knowledge of good and evil to God. But they were tempted and they ate and they were suddenly their eyes were opened. They didn't eat and and die physically. You know, possibly that would have been more lenient because instead they died to their original purpose of living unhindered in God's presence, which is what they could have had. And then they received knowledge, but they lost innocence. They gained enlightenment, but they lost intimacy. They gained sight, but suddenly they realized that they were naked. They covered themselves and they hid. Oh, glorious knowledge that robs us of our destiny in Christ. Satan achieved his goal of severing the intimacy we had with God. And then from that day forward, those same blocks have hindered us from our relationship with our loving Father in heaven. We have to watch out for those because we can still have that relationship. I believe the Lord wants to take us back to the garden. Our knowledge of the contrast between good and evil in this world and our own interpretations of them are what keep us from God. We need to reverse the effects of that day in the garden. For Christ has made the way possible for us to do that. We need to eat from the tree of life, letting God show us the right way to see things in this life setting us free from our hurts and misconceptions about the world and about people around us. Those wounds will remain unhealed as long as we choose to look at them solely from our own understanding. So as channels the flow of love from God to us and then to others can be hindered, even blocked by the unhealed wounds, 
we've experienced in this fallen world. Like logs in the stream, our unforgiveness, anger, insecurity, pride, fear, etc. can limit the flow of love that God wants us to have. So behind the logs is a limitless supply, but all we experience is a trickle. As vessels, our unhealed wounds are like rocks that take up volumes in our souls. God fills us to overwhelming, but we are too full of our own hurts to hold much of Him. But this is not God's plan for us. This is not God's plan for us at all. This is the result of sin in our lives. This is the result of lies that we have believed and the curses from the fall. Jesus has redeemed us, though. He has the continued remedy every single day, every single moment of every day for our situation. He has the continued remedy. Now that we're vessels and channels, we need to take the redeeming truths in Jesus Christ and His cross and begin applying them to our lives. The power of the cross can wipe away the effects of years of uncomforted pain and hurt. And one by one, we can remove those rocks from you so that you can hold more of God's love. God's wanting to remove those rocks from each and every one of us. One by one, He can remove the logs from, from us that jam to allow an abundant flow of His love to rush into and through your life and my life. Jesus is the answer. The Father's love is the source. The Holy Spirit is your guide. The, the flow of God's love to you and then to others is your destiny and then the profound presence of God's love in your life shall set you free so you know what today will you invite God like the psalmist like David did when he said search me and know me try me and see if there is any wicked way in me you can find that in Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. God wants to lead you in the way that is everlasting. You need to give God permission to do that, to dig in the garden of your heart and the garden of your heart and soul. And, and it will be hard at times. Yes, it will even excruciatingly painful at times, but it is better than the bondage that is now robbing most all of us. So I encourage you today to be free, not only to be free, but to be free indeed, because the Bible says, for whom the Son has set free is free indeed.